now, this is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Rob Gilbert, Derek Dyson and Michael Edgley for a podcast spun off from our main show where we go through all the highlights of the past week, our teams and moments of the week and plenty more. If you've got some ideas, make sure you tweet at us and, uh, and we'll include them throughout the week in the rundown. But Derek, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's so hard each week to try and dissect um, domestic, international, um, club versus uh, uh, country uh, but, um, yeah, we sort of pick the the ones that caught our eye, don't we? We do. And I also want to try and make sure that we're not, as I've said all, all along, not always Premier League-centric. You could always pick the game of the week in the Premier League and we could spend two hours dissecting more like a lot of the other podcasts do. So for our game of the week, I've actually, well, for mine, I've gone to League uh and the game between Monaco and PSG. This is traditionally one of the big games in Liga. Uh PSG have had the kind of rub on this one recently. Monaco going through their cyclical phase, I suppose, where they build a good team, then sell all the players for profit, then go back and build another good team again. Uh, and they seem to be on the up with uh, a, well, a famous win, really, over PSG, a 3-1 victory. So bad that even uh, Fresno Kimpembe, the PSG defender, had to placate away fans using a megaphone after the defeat. Uh, uh, in in that atmospheric of grounds there in in uh, in Monaco, um, but that's now PSG have lost twice in four days, and it was goals from Wasim Ben Yedder and uh, Alexander Golovin, the the Russian, he's scoring his first goal for Monaco, getting them three uh, nil up and, and cruising. Uh, PSG did get one back, um, and through a sixteen year old who I'm sure we're going to have to. Uh, keep an eye on a Warren Zaire Emery. What a name! Uh, <laughs> he, he, he did get one back, but um, but but Monaco got the points, and yeah, appear not not all well at PSG. They they are five points clear of, of Marseille and seven ahead of um, Monaco, but they've now lost three of their last seven league matches in 2023, and they were knocked out of the French Cup last week by um, Marseille. And Ben Yedder's goal took him joint top of the goal-scoring charts in France, and that's not with uh, Messi or Mbappe or or even uh, the other the, the Brazilian um, Neymar Jr., but with a guy called Balogun, uh, who's at Ream on 14 goals, and Balogun, in fact, is on loan from Arsenal. So uh, Arsenal potentially looking for strikers at the moment. There's one bagging them over in... Uh, in in France, so uh, we'll have to keep an eye on him too. But uh, good win for Monaco there, Rob. It was, and I did read that story um, about the the ball horn that uh, President Kimbepe uh, uh, grabbed. He was advised by Marquinhos, his captain, not to do it, but um, in the the style of. Uh, French uh, players, he just went ahead and did what he wanted anyway. Uh, but uh, he did actually seem to calm them down a little because they, they did like that. Well, they were going to go on, on the rampage. Um, Edge, um, what, what are you uh, nominating as your game of the week, mate? 
Well, my game of the week's back to the A-League. Um, it was a 3-2 win for Adelaide over Western United. And I just wanted to say that uh, Western United were winning 2-0 at half time. Derek didn't want to put this game of the week because his green and black machine got done. But uh, Adelaide United came over the top with goals in the 68, 76 and 86 minute. And I've just got to say, Craig Goodwin, um, he was the difference in that game. He dragged his team off the canvas. He was absolutely sensational. Best man on the ground by um, by a country mile. And I hope Craig's not too old to go overseas and uh, get a big money contract and make his mark in a higher competition. And I hope that uh, that opportunity comes to his way at some point. But uh, that was my game of the week. Adelaide United off the canvas, away from home. Two goals down at half time. Got the job done. 3-2 over Derek uh, Derek's uh, Western United. Well, it's interesting for our listeners. We, we, we don't conspire and let each other know uh, generally where we were going with this. And Derek mentioned off the top that you know we don't want to turn it into a, a Premier League fest. So obviously uh, this week we, uh, we do the exact opposite because I'm sticking with the A-League as well. And we talked about this game uh, for good reason in, in the main show. And for me, it was the Sydney derby. Three months after Sydney FC were beaten at home in the A-League or their last derby at their, their new home, Allianz Stadium, they uh, scrapped their way to a 1-0 win on Saturday night. It was a classic derby in every sense of the word. There was, uh, I think I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing Edge from the main show earlier in the week, there was an outstanding goal, a red card, a blue between the former teammate managers after the final whistle, a colourful big crowd, over 26,000 people did justice to what really is a world-class venue out there in Parramatta, and a brilliant new TIFO from the red and black block depicting the Wanderers as Freddy Krueger about to destroy the Opera House with his claws and to top it off a post-match interview which uh, I love because we do bag players from well pretty often in most sports for giving us uh, some uh, one uh, uh, sort of uh, track drivel post-match but uh, Borello was not impressed with the way that the game played out and he, do- he says it with his frustrated sort of sort of almost Italian accent he goes if I'm brutally honest they deserve nothing they couldn't play out when we had one man less. They just sat off. They were scared of us for the whole game. They can count themselves lucky they scored one goal. We're obviously shattered. It's hard not to sound like a sore loser, but they were bang average. So I think we need more of that from players after the event, to be brutally honest, uh, gentlemen. Oh, absolutely. With you, Rob, uh, like I said in the main show off the top, it was a step in the right direction for the A-League and uh, it was fantastic. Controversy, atmosphere, tension, a red card, coaches <laughs> slagging each other off, players slagging each other off, uh, fans having a go at each other, all in uh, mm. uh, within reason too. So uh, well done. Uh, and as you rightly say, a fantastic venue. We just don't want 26,000 at the next one of these. We want the joint. <laughs> we want every seat taken, don't we, Rob? Yeah, I felt at one point just looking at it, it looked almost like a full house, but, uh, you know, good design at that stadium. So so well done. So I think you're... Week, Rob. Well, my team of the week, see, this is a side that I don't think is getting the credit they deserve in their debut season. That's Western United's women's side. Okay, they came from behind again at halftime to beat Melbourne City 2-1. And it ensures they remain on top of the the women's A-League table in their debut season, five points clear of City. Now, they started the season. And we haven't discussed this, um, so we, you know we're, we're as guilty as anybody else. Seven straight wins under their head coach, Mark Torcaso, a former goalkeeper and goalkeeping coach himself. He put together a squad full of local talent, but with some carefully selected uh, players from the United States Women's Soccer League, including Hilary Beale, who kept them in it with a string of great saves against the former all-conquering Melbourne City women's side. So I think a shout-out um, to, to the, the, the Western United women's side who, you know, they've put it together. It's not very often 
often you see that a club joining a competition in in uh, uh, day one and hitting the ground running. And it's it's not a team littered with big names from start to finish. I mean, Ed, you know more about the women's game than anybody else I know. Uh, uh, it's not a squad littered with superstars, but uh, uh, Torcaso has put them together with his uh, coaching group, and uh, and they're doing a brilliant job. Yeah, no, he has. Um, he, he has lost his main uh, weapon, though, has gone back to the National Women's Soccer League. So um, they might, um, you know, they might uh, be thereabouts for the rest of the season, but I think they might probably slide um, because this is the time of the year when uh, the A-League clubs are losing. Like Melbourne Victory is going to lose Alex Chidiak back to um, uh, racing Louisville in uh in uh, the National Women's Soccer League. So, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting leading to the finals. We might see the uh, same old two teams, Rob, uh, rise to the top. I think uh, Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC. I think we've got better depth than most of the other teams. So we'll wait and see how that transpires. But my team of the week, talk about going from one end of the world to the other. I'm going to Real Madrid, who got the job done in the Club World Cup. Not everyone's favourite tournament, Derek, the Club World Cup, but I rate it. Um, And uh, most people that I know uh, at clubs that have been involved, they said they don't really appreciate how significant it is until you're in it. And I think Real Madrid now, as you mentioned, Rob, in the main show, five times they've won this event. And um, they've done it again, and it was the Valverde show, Federico Valverde, who really ran the, got the job done, and they got away, really. I think they were 4-1 up and then 5-2 at one point before uh, the match ended 5-3. But Al-Halal did um, Asia proud. Uh, they're a big club. We know that. Um, but Real Madrid, they're my team of the week for taking out the FIFA Club World Cup. Yeah, Al-Halal were great, weren't they? Uh, they really, they really stuck at it. During the game, uh, lovely goals from their point of view as well, and they, they didn't. It could have been, you know. I think usually these games with Real Madrid there could be a procession, but they did well. And the fact that they'd already won their cup—I know, I know this sounds just, uh, you know, uh, patronising—but they kind of won their cup final, hadn't they, in the semi when they knocked out they did, uh, right. Flamengo? Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, they would have loved to have won, won it and become the first Asian team to win the tournament. But yeah, I don't, I don't. I think they can go back with their with their heads held t- high uh, for sure. Um, my team of the week going to the Premier League is Leicester City. I think we mentioned it earlier um, with with Harry Suter's performances, but obviously this was a superb result for Brendan Rodgers beating beating Spurs. Um, the four goals that went in, uh, it was an absolute dominance from 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 them from start to finish. We were writing Brendan Rodgers' obituary virtually a few podcast ago and we we're talking about getting Rob Tanner on to explain it you know he was kind of holding on by his fingernails but they've gone back to back and of course they've knocked out or knocked back one of the one of the big six uh, in the Premier League um, all the goals were fantastic Harvey Barnes looks like a terrific player James Madison scores again and and uh, Leicester looking up upwardly mobile now and it's probably not the season they wanted. They would have liked to have been more in the European contention, but they do seem now to be pulling away with some some good signings, including Sutar and Tete. Um, so well done, Leicester City. Rob, they are my team of the week. Yeah, no, well named. And uh, it's great to see, And well, 
I mean, obviously a Scottish Australian, but at least an Australian representative um, back up in the Premier League and making a, a, a proper impact on a club that um, we've got a, a, a real affection for on this show, don't we, Edge? Yeah, we're, we're sort of associated with that run of the Foxes in that 2015-16 season. And, and if it wasn't for, uh, well, it was Mark Van Aken all those years ago that uh, that found Rob Tanner at the Leicester Mercury and, uh, and, and just about every second guest that we have on this show has been through that introduction to Rob all those years ago. So, so we love the, the the foxes, and it's good to see. Well, I, spent that. A lot of, I spent a lot of time with Harry's family at the mm. World Cup, and um, mm. they're beautiful, beautiful people. Uh, they really, mm-hmm. really are. There's been some tragedy in that family too, which mm. they like to get close to their hearts. So um, this is just a wonderful, wonderful story, Harry Sutar, mm-hmm. um, and um, we're all very proud of him. He, he's a very proud Australian. There's no doubt about it, mm-hmm. and he's very. Um, I know the family's very thankful of the role that Australian football has played in his uh, rise. And I know they all would have been at the game, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 of them. They're a very close family. Uh, and they would have uh, loved uh, his performance. And Along with him, that just... wet night against Saudi Arabia at Parramatta right. Stadium when he yeah, snapped that right. ACL. But he, yeah, but, he, but he's... Uh, I saw him at the World Cup and I've seen him enough now at uh, playing uh, in, uh, you know, the highest level to know that he's going to be absolutely fine. He's going to be a very, very, very good player for Leicester mm-hmm. City. And I'm just looking forward to his um, first journey out to Thailand when uh, the, obviously the, the Leicester City owners are Thai, uh, when King Power bring him out because it is the land of the small people, Thailand, and <laughs> Harry's quite a large person. So I'll be interested to see uh, when he looks down at the owner. He's only about four foot five. It'll be a, a good Photoshop anyway. Good Photoshop. <laughs> Hey Rob, let me tell you about my moment of the week. We've we've all we've already touched on it a little bit with the Sydney derby, and that's actually my moment of the week. But mm-hmm. actually, watching this game with my dad—I don't watch a lot of football with my dad anymore. Uh, I spent a weekend with the grandparents, so that my beautiful wife Sarah, who's uh, eight months pregnant now, could uh, have a weekend off. And having uh, successfully come back from the local pub in Mount Eliza was looking for something to watch. I'd been planning to watch the uh, cricket, but of course uh, Australia couldn't even get the uh, the game to, to run even into the end of the third day. So needs to find something else to watch. And, and thanks to um, Rob's tip, pointed me towards 10 bolts. I had to actually retune 10 bolt on my dad t- dad's TV because he didn't have it. Not a channel that they watch too often in the Dyson household down in Mount Eliza. And we sat and watched half of, uh, half of the, the second half of the game, and uh, it was just interesting. I, I think we'll, we can safely say that my dad uh, would be a huge advocate of the introduction of the um, the second tier in uh, in Australian football because I explained to him that the A League was um, a uh, was a closed shop in that regard, and I wrote down the quotes. and, and Let's say he had had a couple of wines by this point. Among the quotes were, "What a load of crap." <laughs> and what an absolute waste of everybody's time. No wonder they're not trying. Were the uh, the two lines that came out. So a little bit of a little bit of booze, a little bit of uh shaking, you know, shouting at clouds from, from my dad. But uh we did enjoy watching the game and we were cheering Western Sydney on, thinking that mm-hmm. they definitely deserved to win it. And um yeah, but not my dad wasn't impressed at the lack of relegation and Maybe we need to send him to the negotiation table to help sort it out because he was very forthright on his views. 
Well, he's absolutely right. My moment of the week is with your game as well, but it's not as eloquently described as your um, bonding moment with your dad. My moment of the week uh, was definitely when Steve Corker in the post-match press conference called Mark Rudan, or as Rob now has kindly advised me, that Marco Rudan a sore loser. I thought that was fantastic. We need more of that. Nothing like uh, two former teammates getting on each other's nerves. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was great. And Because when you're watching post-matches, uh, as Derek, Dyson Senior would have been watching that Corica, uh, uh, the winner, of course, goes over to shake Mark Rudin's hand. And, uh, and you can see the smile on his face. He's trying to sort of put, pour some oil on troubled waters. And, and Marco, uh, he's not having any of it. He just gives him a spray. Uh, it winds him up again. Stevie Corica is trying to settle him down a little bit. Ned Corica has enough. And he basically goes, stuff you. We won. You lost. Piss off. It was very funny. Uh, my moment of the week, I'm going to go in an entirely different direction and, uh, and sort of touch on a club we've referred to across both shows this week. Um, and this is a man who gets uh, probably not as much credit as he deserves for uh, the ongoing rise and rise of Brighton and Hove Albion uh, uh, since uh, Chris Hewton was at the Seagulls and um, and uh, shown the door. They've just gone from strength to strength. But it was under Hewton that they they really seemed to find their feet in the Premier League and uh, and they looked like they were a club that belonged. Uh, and, uh, and he's long gone now, but uh, he's now been in the past week appointed as head coach of the Ghanaian national side. He's only 64 years old. He worked as a technical advisor for the Black Stars. Uh, well, he has been there since. February 22, and he replaces Otto Addo, who stepped down following the World Cup in Qatar, where they finished uh, bottom of the group, but an admirable bottom of the group with one win in three matches. So it's his first uh, job since he was sacked by Forrest um, in 21, uh, September 21. And as I said, he's managed uh, Brighton as well as Forrest, Newcastle, Birmingham and Norwich. So uh, good news. And and I, I bury the lead by saying a, a positive story for a black manager, um, of which there are too few. My hot topic is that third-place playoffs in major football tournaments are a complete waste of time. In a congested calendar where clubs have to fly all over the world, play multiple competitions and plays and so forth, to have the Club World Cup third-place playoff, really? Can we just dismiss third-place playoffs? Can we get rid of them, let these clubs go back to their countries and players uh, get organised for the rest of the competitions that they've got to play in? I'm not a fan of third-place players. The FIFA World Cup, I dislike them. Olympic Games, I dislike them. They should give everyone a bronze medal, the, the, the two other teams. Um, third-place playoffs, it's like dancing with your sister, Rob. Yeah, but they'll stick around because they make money. And even that um, third-place playoff in uh, in the, the most recent World Cup, which you're at edge, still packed the stadiums. And it was another another uh, match for the, the television broadcasters to play. So um, I don't think it's going to be... Uh, uh, seeing the way of the dodo anytime soon. Now, Derek, uh, I, I sensed when you put this next topic up in for your uh, contribution to Hot Topic that there was a, a, a note of angst. Now, we've put out a full show so far this week and we're dropping stoppage time midweek. Um, it's probably 24 hours away from uh, a game that both you and Michael are going to be very, very nervous about. So uh, talk to us about... Um, VAR, Derek, you 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 um you were, I think, outraged by um as much as Mikel Arteta was uh, over the events of the weekend. Uh, I think I think I think you've you've decided the narrative early there, Rob. I, I really wasn't going to have a moan about the Arsenal one. Uh, yeah. I think it was more about you know VAR in general. I had a had a terrible uh, weekend uh, overall. Um, I didn't really have any issue with the Arsenal game. I. You know, Brentford well and truly deserved the point, never mind three points. Uh, Arsenal were 
you know, absolutely terrible for, for most parts, parts of the game. And I think probably, you know, more than uh, deserved uh, the goal. But I mean, as, as a collection of decisions, I mean, the one that Chelsea um, had denied, and I'm no fan of Chelsea and I have no need to see Chelsea become, uh, you know, anything good happen to them. But I mean, the fact that, um, the Conor Gallagher was denied that goal. Thomas Tuchek clearly handling the ball on its way into the goal. The instant was checked, and the referee wasn't asked to go and take a look of it. Take a look at it. I mean, it was a, a, an absolute disgrace that that decision. And then the one in the you know we spoke to uh, Kieran earlier, and he didn't mention the the Brighton uh, offside. Uh, that wasn't, and a VAR John Brooks is his name. Uh, he drew the wrong line on the uh, drew the wrong, wrong line on the pitch. Um, you know, I, I, and then yeah, like similar situation happened at Arsenal. It's certainly not sour grace from me. I've expected a wobble from it Arsenal. It sounds very convincing, and, and I do or, believe you because or, I know um, you have been keeping the lid on it. There's a certain other person in in. Um, hmm. This show that that hasn't kept his lid on it. No, I, you know, we didn't deserve to win the game, Arsenal. No, definitely not. And and but look, it's just looking at our VAR in general. I I know that Michael uh, is you know one you know likes VAR, wants VAR, probably doesn't like these decisions. Um, I think Rob, I can speak for both of us saying that we probably don't um, like VAR. Wish it could just go back in the box, back in the cut. Um, but you know, it certainly doesn't help Michael, does it? Whether you're for VAR against the whole idea of VAR, when you get you know three decisions like this happening on the same weekend, that not only um, you know in you know in, they had an impact on every single one of these games, and and whoever is running the show, the professional match officials, whatever it's called, Pongol or whatever it's called, I've got to have a close look at this and and decide what's going on because clearly there were some bad decisions this weekend. VAR is controversial in many. Uh, many ways, isn't it? But the one thing about VR which we can't deny is that you can hold the people making their decisions accountable because when an obvious error is made, it's highly contestable. And I think where we all get in trouble with VAR is when they, you know, there there are some genuine VAR calls that must be 50-50. So not, I just don't think they should make those. I think, uh, look, I've been in football a long time. You know, p- people are conveniently forgetting what it was like before VAR. Uh, games were won and lost on bad refereeing decisions, obvious offside errors. You know, I think we're better with VAR than without it. Uh, there's still areas for it to improve. And I probably think, I don't have any empirical evidence of this. This is just my hunch. Rob will probably shoot me down. But I do think there's probably less errors with VAR than there was prior to VAR. So um, I've been at uh, World Cups where I think it's worked very, very well. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm we're stuck with it now. So I'm more interested in refining how the process works to the point where I think everybody is... If you're a cricket fan, Derek, everybody's accepted DRS as a monumental improvement on umpiring errors that cost cricket matches. So um, I think VAR will get there. Uh, it's just that uh, along the road, we're going to have... Some frustrating moments, like uh, you just eloquently explained uh, previously. Yeah, but I, I won't shout you down. I, I do tend to agree. As much as it's frustrating that there are wrong decisions and still human error somehow manages in the pressure, the pressure cooker. Because you can imagine, you know, you, this uh, decision to well, 
poor decision as it was to draw the wrong line on the screen and ultimately uh, end up with a, a bad result. You can just imagine how uh, the official's feeling there. But, you know, if you're in a room at, um, at Stockley Park uh, uh, and you're, you're making decisions, knowing that there are millions of people all over the world uh, waiting for you to make that decision, you can just imagine it would be a, a, a tension-packed pressure cooker uh, to, to get that decision right. And you, you'd be looking at things and you're thinking, is that foot there? Is that arm there? Is this right? Is that right? You know, and they would be overthinking decisions. And sometimes uh, overthinking a decision ends up uh, uh, bypassing the correct decision and coming to the wrong conclusion, which they obviously did. I mean, you mentioned um, uh, Cricket Edge. I mean, uh, we're recording uh, off the back of the uh, the Super Bowl, which the Kansas City Chiefs uh, beat uh, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles in the South. It was a cracking match, 35 all with just minutes to go. And then at the very end, a decision is made where a, 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 an Eagles player was uh, uh, was was penalised for tugging the shirt of, of one of the Kansas City players. Now, I looked at that from all sorts of angles and I couldn't see him pulling the guy's shirt. And it, you, I, th- I think there were 30 different camera angles in American football, I heard one of the commentators say it at one particular point, and they still have a decision that is argued and which ultimately decided the game. So, uh, look, we've got it now for better or for worse, um, and uh, I guess, you know we just hope that they fine-tune it and get more accurate decisions. The one thing I don't want to see is what we're seeing in the tennis, the Australian Open now, where the line judges, who I think have been a, a lovely uh, – part of the game for, for years and years in the Australian Open, we're sort of getting down to the point where uh, the, 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 the human uh, uh, content of, uh, of the decision-making process on the field is starting to diminish. So I'd like to say less of that. Well, boys, um, let's wrap it up. Uh, a, a nice, robust discussion there. Um, I'm really, I'm going to get up early and uh, and watch that game on Thursday morning. What a cracker it'll be! I, I think you guys are actually going to win. I think you'll, on your own home dung heap, um, will will knock off City and, and flex your muscles and uh, and actually win it on your own right. So that's that's just my thinking for what it's worth. I hope you're right, Rob. Uh, we've tended to do well in the bigger games this season, so I'll be interested to see particularly how C approach this game, whether they're going to come and try and get the three points and how hard they're going to they're going to try in terms of imposing themselves on the game. But I think Arsenal have looked leggy in the last couple of games. I, I do feel like that that sort of wafer-thin squad is now starting to, to creak a little bit. So I hope you're right, Rob, and uh, we'll, we'll no doubt talk about it next week. Good luck, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Roberto. Good luck to Derek and I and our team. Looking, you know, <laughs> we've still got a game in hand and uh, three points ahead. So even if they do lose, it's not all over. But but um, yeah, it's it's just fantastic. We've got a contest for the uh, for the uh, title of the Premiership in England, and uh, and Arsenal's in it, and Liverpool ain't. See, here am I trying to be um, nice and and magnanimous about it, and you still have to. Put a, a little sting in the tail at, at the very end, but it, Michael, it's nothing less than I'd expect for you. But it's football, and I will reserve the right to get re- my revenge in the fullness right. of time. It's only football, we could and be, I will. You could be living in southern Turkey, and uh, you wouldn't mm. be thinking about football. No, we wouldn't. And God bless all of the people there and uh, Syria, of course, after the, the earthquake. All right, Michael and Derek, well done, Damien Tadio. Again, thank you, mate. Will, and we hope you enjoyed your holiday. Have another week off, mate. Up on we'll the, come uh, back to work, will you? Uh, Thank you. Okay, please subscribe to Box to Box Stoppage Time and Offside wherever you get your podcast. Tweet us at Box to Box NTS and follow us on Twitter and make sure you like us on Facebook. And join us throughout the week as our podcast drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.